This episode is brought to you by Shutterfly. Breaking news in Richmond. The Jefferson Davis Monument was pulled down overnight by demonstrators. Protesters, they spray painted and put signs on the base of the John C. Calhoun statue. They took to a local park there in New Orleans and eventually ended up throwing a statue of a uh, mid-19th century slave owner into the Mississippi River. After weeks of continued protests against police brutality and racial bias in the U.S., many protesters are now turning their attention to the symbols and statues that represent those deep-seated inequalities. We're talking about statues of Confederate soldiers, Confederate flags, and even changing the names of active military bases today, like Fort Hood in Texas, which was named after a Confederate general. Efforts to change the names of those military bases and remove statues symbolizing that period in American history have come from some of the highest areas in the government. They committed treason against the United States of America and their statues are still here because their states put them here. As well as from protesters and local leaders across the country. So I am directing the Department of General Services to remove the statue of Robert E. Lee as soon as possible. So why is taking down these symbols so important? And what needs to happen next for the U.S. to come to terms with its history? That's coming up on this week's Skim This. We should point out that there are a couple of ways in which America is reacquainting itself with its history these days. The first has to do with today's holiday, Juneteenth. Juneteenth celebrates the end of slavery in the U.S. It marks the occasion in which the Union Army Major General, Gordon Granger, strode into Galveston, Texas, to inform the city that not only had the Civil War ended, but enslaved people in America were free. Message received, even though it took two and a half years to get there. Partially because, hey, no cell phones, but also because there were a lot of Confederate Army holdouts. General Granger arrived in Galveston around June 19, 1865, which has since been condensed to Juneteenth. And since the late 1800s, Black Americans have celebrated that day with annual events and concerts, and even pageants. This week, the skim talked to writer Leandria Mack, who last year was crowned Miss Juneteenth in Kansas City. Being Miss Juneteenth is important because you're equipped with the information to give to the community and to represent a very special day that, again, everybody should be celebrating because it is the true day of freedom for all Americans, including African-Americans. This year, while more companies are giving employees the day off, many people are also pushing to make this a national holiday and to make sure Juneteenth is something kids actually learn about in schools. And like we said, the U.S. is being confronted with its history in other ways, too. As demonstrators and local leaders across the country protest symbols of the country's structural racism, like Confederate monuments and statues of Christopher Columbus. We wanted to learn about why taking down these statues in particular is so important to the movement. So we called up Jelaine Schmidt. I'm Jelaine Schmidt, and I'm an associate professor of religious studies at the University of Virginia. And I am a scholar activist and a co-founder of the Charlottesville chapter of Black Lives Matter. 
Schmidt also gives tours of Confederate monuments in her hometown of Charlottesville. Her goal is to add context to what some might see as distinguished artifacts of a bygone era. One really important bit of context? The Confederate statues were originally erected in the late 19th century, um, some decades after the end of the Civil War. The, the Civil War ended in, in 1865. That's right. Many of these Confederate statues across the South didn't start going up until decades after the Civil War ended. Schmidt cites the work of historian Karen Cox, who published a book that explains how a group called the United Daughters of the Confederacy led the charge not only to build these statues in public places throughout the South, but to change the way the South understood its history. It's only as, you know, decades later, as Jim Crow is being established, that these statues migrate out of the graveyards and into the public square like a Trojan horse. And they take on a different task, which is to proclaim this lost cause version of Southern white memory, you know, of of the Civil War. What she's talking about there, the lost cause narrative, is the idea that the Confederates' motive during the Civil War was noble, and that this wasn't about protecting slavery, but about protecting state rights. It's a narrative that many historians have fought against. I mean, these statues are, they are lying to us. They're telling us lies in public, and at public expense. My taxes are paying for this. And so, for years, Schmidt has been working to take them down. And as she explained, it's hard to do. Well, it's a really, in the case of Virginia, it's a very long process. We had a law uh, older than, uh, more than a century old. It was passed in 1904 that made it against the law to remove any sort of war memorial. Virginia has had a particularly high number of Confederate statues, especially in the Confederacy's former capital, Richmond. But these laws are on the books across several states in the South. Some states have even tightened those rules over the past few years. But in April, Virginia passed a law allowing local officials to decide whether they can remove, change, or cover memorials. That law takes effect in a couple of weeks. As efforts continue to remove these statues by both political means or by force, one of the next questions is, what do you do with them? Historians have been trying to figure that out for years. Some have argued that the statues should stay, but that there should be large placards featured prominently that explain the context in which the statue came to be. Schmidt says that the context she adds to her walking tours does have a benefit. As we're walking through what has been a familiar landscape, it denaturalizes that landscape and allows people to step back and know the history behind each statue as it was put in, who put it in, what they said when it was put in, what role the statuary has played, you know, in different public events. Others have said, maybe these statues should be in museums. The fact is, many museums might not want them. And preserving things takes money and time and space that some might not want to commit to a Confederate statue. Not to mention the fact that many of the statues were made pretty cheaply from zinc. So the question of what to do with these statues is a complicated one. That's because while the statues are supposed to represent part of the country's history, they are telling a one-sided story, one that's rooted in systemic racism and oppression. Why would we want to hold up these four years, you know, out of all the hundreds of years, you know, possible, why would we want to hold out these four years 
of civil war, you know, when Southern states, you know, uh, went to war against the United States, why would we choose to lift that up? So what's the skim? Over the past few weeks, we've seen demonstrators come out against police brutality and racial bias. And now we're also seeing protests against Confederate symbols and statues, many of which were put up decades after the Civil War ended. Some are forcibly bringing those statues down, but some federal and local officials are also making moves to legally take them down. As Jolene Schmidt points out, this is a direction that the country has been nudged in for some time. I think that this uprising, you know, that, that's going on here, uh, which includes the tearing down of, of statues or sometimes, you know, cities taking official action to pull them down, that it is kind of an inflection point, you know, uh, for thinking about uh, the legacy of slavery in this country. It's just kind of more on the mind. It's part of the conversation. As for next steps, there's some debate about whether these statues should remain in some way, but with more context added or be moved to museums, or gotten rid of altogether. But removing the statues is just one part of changing how Americans understand the country's history. For more of our interview with Miss Juneteenth of Kansas City, check out The Skim's Instagram. And for more on the history behind Juneteenth and the push to make it a national holiday, head to theskim.com world. Coming up, the U.S. is starting to reopen, but health experts are warning the pandemic is still with us, and those warnings are putting local and statewide officials at odds. We'll explain why next. It's almost the official start of summer, and that means the start of all the celebrations that come with it. Even if you can't celebrate in person this year, the people you love deserve something special. Shutterfly's photo books are the perfect way to say you're the best from afar. Just pick the photos you want to use and pick your design, or let their team of experts design it for you. The best part? Skimmers get up to 40% off. Head to Shutterfly.com to get started. Summer is definitely here, but recent spikes in COVID-19 cases might mean that summer and social distancing don't exactly go hand in hand. States started allowing businesses to reopen in early spring, starting with Georgia on April 24th, just three weeks after Governor Brian Kemp issued a statewide shelter-in-place order. By late May, all 50 states had made moves to reopen. At the time, public health experts worried that, for some places, this was too soon. And as salons, places of worship, and restaurants started to reopen, many of those states didn't even meet the criteria outlined in the White House guidelines for when it would be safe to do so. But keep in mind, after a lot of back and forth, the administration made it clear that it wouldn't be calling any shots, and that when it comes to how and when to reopen, it's up to the states to decide. Here's President Trump in a press conference in mid-April. If they need to remain closed, we will allow them to do that. And if they believe it is time to reopen, we will provide them the freedom and guidance to accomplish that task and very, very quickly, depending on what they want to do. But very recently, a lot of states are now wondering, was it too much too soon? On Tuesday, Florida, Texas, and Arizona all set records for the most new cases reported in a single day. Yeah, the highest since this whole thing started. Florida's governor attributed it to more testing, but epidemiologists say the numbers also suggest the virus is spreading. 
And while cases have gone down in hotspots like New York and Chicago, new hotspots are now emerging. Which is why some might be asking, is this the second wave in the U.S.? According to experts, nope. But that's not exactly a good thing. They're saying that because the U.S. still isn't out of the first wave, there are still hundreds of people dying every day from the disease. And roughly 20,000 new cases are reported each day. But there's another issue being revealed, that some governors and mayors are at odds on what to do now. In Texas, this week, Governor Greg Abbott said he's confident that the state can continue to reopen. But Houston officials are considering imposing another lockdown. And even though the governor signed an executive order banning local governments from fining people for not wearing masks, nine mayors are asking the governor to let them put those mandates in place. In Arizona, at the end of last week, ICU capacity was at 80%. And mayors from some of the biggest cities are frustrated that Governor Doug Ducey won't require people to wear masks. So the mayors are asking if they can at least do so. Here's Phoenix, Arizona Mayor Kate Gallego this past Monday on MSNBC. In Arizona, we opened very quickly and ahead of CDC guidelines. We went to phase three in many areas. So, for example, nightclubs are now open in Arizona and public health experts are telling me that that close up close transmission where you're not wearing masks is among the most dangerous indoor situations that we can have. I also would love to see a strong masking push in Arizona. Right now, our governor has said that we do not want to mandate that and that mayors cannot. But we know that masking is important because it slows transmission, but also sends a signal that we are still in a crisis, which the Arizona numbers demonstrate. But in New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo is telling local governments that they need to be the ones doing more to enforce social distancing. Here he is at a press briefing earlier this week. We have to stay smart. And if the local governments don't enforce compliance, they're not doing anyone a favor. On a federal level, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has released new guidance aimed at helping people stay safe when going out. Like what to do if you're taking public transit, limiting your interactions with other people, and having what you need on you to maintain good hygiene. The CDC also put out guidelines for those who are planning large events like making sure that signs are posted that promote handwashing, modifying how your event is laid out and allowing for social distancing, and closing down areas that can't be regularly cleaned, like water fountains. Infectious disease experts are saying that COVID-19 will likely be around for months, and there's still a lot we don't know about this disease. According to some reports, there are previously healthy people known as long haulers who have been experiencing COVID-19 symptoms for several weeks, or even months, although there may be some hope on the horizon. According to a group of scientists in the UK, a common drug called dexamethasone helps save the lives of severely ill patients. And around the world, several more vaccine candidates are preparing to begin human trials, with the hope that a vaccine will be ready to roll out by early next year. And now, we're partnering with Shutterfly to press pause on the latest developing stories and share something that will make you smile. 
What happened? Oh, I saw the whole thing, dude. First you were all like, whoa, and then we were all like, whoa, and then you were like, whoa. <laughs> uh, okay. You might remember Crush from Disney Pixar's Finding Nemo. He's a sea turtle who, at one point, literally carries Nemo's dad, Marlin, to safety. Researchers recently found that, actually, loggerhead sea turtles can carry a lot more than one little clownfish on their shells. They can actually carry over 100,000 tiny animals, called myofauna. Scientists have been trying to figure out how these teeny tiny myofauna are able to travel all around the ocean. Turns out, a sea turtle shell is the marine equivalent of the Acela Express. Also, in case you missed it, Tuesday was World Sea Turtle Day, and we are right smack dab in the middle of nesting season. So if you live near a beach where sea turtles tend to visit, keep in mind that every single sea turtle right now is either threatened or endangered. And sea turtle mothers tend to leave their eggs to hatch where you set up the cooler. Also, pro tip, if you do some sand digging, make sure to fill in the holes, or else hatched baby sea turtles trying to get to the sea can fall in and no one wants to be responsible for that. For more cuteness, we've linked out to some soothing sea turtle videos in our show notes. You're welcome. No matter your situation, sometimes you just need to press pause. And every week, we send out an email with some of our favorite things to help you take a break. To sign up, head on over to theskim.com slash press pause. And that's all for Skim This. We'll be back in your feed again next Friday. In the meantime, let us know what questions you have about what's going on in the news right now. You can email us at audio at or call and leave us a voicemail at 646-461-6370. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Skim and to sign up for our daily newsletter, head on over to theskim.com.